0: Welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be together. Love seeing your faces in the morning as you walk in and get ready. You know, we've been talking about something hugely important, and, and, and we've been talking about this in light of the new year. Uh, but really, it's not something that's just about the new year, right? How many know that there are people that signed up for uh, their Planet Fitness? And here we are, uh, and they're probably like, I'm done. Yeah, I'm pretty much done. Right? Some of you are like, uh, how do you know my business? Who did you tell him that? But... The truth is, in Christianity, we are never done with getting spiritually fit. Amen? Isn't that true? One of the things I said last week that I believe all of us should keep in mind is this. Heaven has no calendar. And by that, I mean simply that God is not concerned about what day it is. Okay, you can only start the week on Monday. Like, you can only start a new thing on January one. You say, okay, second half of the year, July 1, second half of the year, only at certain point. No, right now is whenever you could say, right now you can say, God, I want to start afresh today. I want to get right with you today. Heaven has no calendar. Say it with me. Heaven has no calendar. And so when you realize that heaven has no calendar, we can stop what we're doing right this morning. God can deliver you right this moment. So we've been talking about living in alignment these last three weeks. And this is the third and final week that I'm going to be kind of talking about alignment. And we've been talking about aligning with God versus striving. You with me? So uh, every week we've been talking about how sometimes we, we we have to differentiate. You guys with me? Listen. Listen. The alignment element is this. When God is the focus... We are living in his alignment. When self is the focus, all we're doing is striving to be better on our own. We're self-absorbed. We're self-focused. We're internally driven. That's striving. There's nothing wrong with being a driven person. But where is your source? What are you pulling from? Is it his strength you're working with or your own? See, this morning, I want to talk about how to stay right when everything goes wrong. How to stay right when everything goes wrong. Living in alignment is about living in a focus that he is your strength. When you think about what walking with God looks like, we all have ideas of what and who God listens to. We think that maybe God listens to the one with all the talents and the gifts. Man, that guy's really talented. God must really listen to him. Right, That person's famous, so they, you know, they should be heard more. Did you know that there are no famous people in heaven? We all stand at a level cross. Level ground at the cross. The only one that's elevated is Jesus Christ. Because when he is lifted up, all men are drawn to him. And so we realize that the one that has all the money is not the one that God listens to more. In fact, that's the very opposite, like my brother Caleb said very clearly and very wonderfully. He said this, you know, you can give your two mites and God will pay more attention because your heart was right. Two mites, heart's right, we're good to go. But here's the problem. We think that God sees through our lens. But God does not see through our lens. And in fact, what God sees is obedience. We see talent. We see how people are in, in the exterior, but God sees the heart. And that's why in John 3.22, when we're looking at John 3.22, it says, and receive what and, and we should, we are to receive whatever we ask from him because why? Because we're famous, because we're gifted, oh, 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 because we have money. Well, no. It says, and we receive whatever we ask of him because we keep his commands. God is looking for obedient people. And when we do what is pleasing in his sight, the way this verse tells us, God is paying attention to every detail and every moment you are aligned with him. How many realize that in 2024, we got to be aligned to his will and purpose? I think most of us will say, I want to do that. I need to do that. But how do I stay right when everything goes wrong? How do I stay right when everything around me crumbles? How do I push through? How do I, am I going to answer every question right in my life? No, you're not going to answer every question right in your life. But guess what? When you start realizing that he is your source and you lean on him, you gain godly. Confidence. How many know that godly confidence is better than worldly pride? Right? Most of us would agree with that. Godly confidence is better than worldly pride. Godly confidence leads to obedience and an obedient prayer life. But where does that confidence come from? My help comes from the Lord. There was one character in scripture that I want to highlight here this morning. The past few weeks, I've been talking about concepts and thoughts, but I want to bring a real-life person into all of this because we're all real-life people. And one of the misconceptions is this. One of the misconceptions about Christianity is that when I read the Bible, everything that I read must, must be something that God wants to apply to my life. Can I tell you something? That's when we can get frustrated. Now, let me tell you why. You with me? Who's with me? We can read the Scripture every day of our life and at some point read it and go I have no idea how that applies to me. Case in point have you ever read Numbers? Right? We can look at that if we look at the book of Numbers Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus Numbers fourth book Old Testament we can look at that book and get very frustrated by verse 4. Why? Because we often look at that book like, how does this apply to me? Here's how you know, and here's how you get out of that rut. You with me? If you're taking notes, you want, if you're not taking notes, you should start. If you're taking notes, write this down. The Word of God is out and about to teach us who God is, not necessarily how everything applies to my life. The frustration lies in the Word of God. When we think everything God wrote has to do with me. Why? Because we are self-centered. We think God put this in the Bible because he wants to tell me about me. Me, 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 me. That was weird. But that's how we view scripture. And you know what? That can be really frustrating when you read the word of God and you think everything I read is about me. Hello? Guess what? This world does not revolve around us. The word of God is revealing him. Something about him And his lordship. Not everything we read is about me. Case in point. You could be sitting in your room. And you say I want to read the word of God. I need an answer. God what am I to do with my life right now? Let me read this first scripture that pops up. And Judas hung himself. It was good knowing you. That's not hello. That's not direction. I'm You hear what I'm saying? That's something that happened in scripture that showed a point in someone's life. Not everything we read is about God telling us what to do with our lives. Now, there are principles in scripture that will teach us how to live our lives but there are also stories of very real people dealing with very real issues and one of those people is Job now I too am reading through the book of Job and this is where I'm at this week where I started really looking at what does it mean to go through some of these things so Job doesn't strive to answer all the great and grandiose questions, you know what he starts doing? I am struggling. I, lo- now listen, the book of Job starts off like this. Satan, right? Now the, the word Satan in the Old Testament in that verse, that, that opening part of the verse and we look at this text and I don't, I don't have the time to go into it, I really don't. But the word Satan means adversary. In this text, you have to understand something. In the ancient word of God and the original text, adversary could have been anyone that is against God's word and against the people of God. So, contrary to what some of us may have thought, we think it's the Satan that came to God. But there's a possibility, and some theologians would subscribe to the possibility because of the way the ancient text was written, the word Satan, his adversary, it could have just been a spirit or a demon saying, I, I, I bet you he won't praise you if you take away his stuff. You blessed him so much, you take away his stuff, I bet you he won't praise you. And God says, have you seen Job? This man is perfect and upright. And he says, I bet you if you, if you take away his stuff, and God says, you take away his stuff, he's still going to praise me. Watch. And then that happens. And he's still praising. Does he have questions? Yes. Does he have pains? Yes. When everything went wrong, Job stayed right. Now, let me, let me tell you something else. It gets very, very difficult because we understand that Job is humble. We look at Job chapter 1 verse 22. Job is humble. But then his friends come to him and start telling him something. things. you ever had somebody come to you and tell you something not so encouraging? There are three dudes in the book of Job. Three individuals that come to Job. One of them being Eliphaz. And he comes to Job and he starts to say, hey, you brought this on yourself. Job 4.16. You ever had somebody say, well, what's going on? What's wrong in your life? If something's going wrong and you're getting judged by God, there's something wrong in your life. Hello? Have you not read John 9? Where Jesus himself says to the disciples, the disciples actually started it. They said, Rabbi, who sinned first? This man or his parents? And you know what he says? Neither. Neither. This happens so the glory of God may be fulfilled in his life. Why? Because the going doctrine at the time was if there's something wrong, you did something wrong. And there are times that we are hurt as a body because we think just because something's going wrong that we did something wrong. And that's not always the case. So I don't like this this thing that floats around that somehow because something's going wrong, you did it. And guess what? That's not always the case. Job is an example, and Jesus said it himself. Do you need any more examples? Like, there's multiple examples, thus just two of them. But then there's another dude named Bildad who shows up in Job 6, and he starts telling, you know, Job is already down, and Bildad's like, hey, I know you're down, but I want to help you get downer. (laughs) Bildad, we should have called him Debbie. Because he's a downer. Debbie, I'm really sorry. That doesn't mean you. I will now be dodging st- apples and stuff from Debbie. She'll be throwing stuff at me any moment. Our Debbie is not a downer, but this Bill Dad, this dude, we'll call him Billy. Billy comes to Job and says, hey, um, you got it rough, man. You're bad. <laughs> Nothing like good friendship. Thanks for that encouraging word, my brother. Job responds in Job 9, how powerful is God's commands? How big is his infinite power? Where there are great things, God is bigger. Come on, somebody. No, 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 no. He had his moments where he was questioning God. Everything went wrong. Everything was stripped from him. And God said, but don't touch his body. You strip everything from him, he won't praise you. Guess what, they stripped everything and he still praised God. Then they come to God again. Listen, um, if you hit him with illness, then he's going to turn from you. Listen, strike him, but don't kill him. And watch him come through. And they, Sammy said it earlier got boils on his body. All this stuff went wrong. And guess what? He had bad moments, but he never stopped praising. He never stopped giving God glory. Then he had a third friend by the name of Zophar. We call him Z-Diddle. No, we don't. Job says, after Zophar comes to him, Zophar says some things again, encourages him and says, you know, like a good brother. Says, uh, you must have really ticked God off for him to do all this. Look at what's happening to you, man. You got a rough life. You know what what he said? You guys stink as friends. (laughs) Paraphrased. (laughs) Job 12.2, no doubt you are the people. That bring the enemy to my doorstep. There are voices in this world. You got to be very careful which ones you accept. You with me? There are voices in this world. You got to be very careful what you receive as truth. So in the person of Job, we have all these people surrounding him. Again, Eliphaz, Billy, or Bildad, or Z, Z. Dizzle far, all these three came to job and told him a really bad doctrine listen that's how come we can't take the word of god as what does that mean to me because the word of god is recording life you ever read the psalms sometimes in the psalms someone's going through a really rough time sometimes it's david sometimes it's another musician sometimes it's somebody else right the chief musician or somebody else. And that's what the Psalms, all of those 150 plus books are written. And those are, many of them are songs. That's what the word Psalms means. It's Psalms and hymns. And, and so, songs and hymns rather, that's what Psalms means. And so we realize that some of it is not so that we could understand what we need to do with our life. Sometimes it's just understanding who God is. As a person. As a Lord. As a Savior. And, I, uh, and Sammy mentioned earlier about my Redeemer lives. That's what he said when all is said and done. And guess what? Their fr- his friends didn't come to him once. There's a second coming for many of them. Look throughout the book of Job, and you'll see they show up again. Be, be, uh, Bildad comes by again, Zophar comes by again, Eliphaz. They all come by to tell him again, man, tough times. How do you stay right when everything goes wrong? Let me answer this question for you here this morning, or at least attempt to answer these questions this morning. First of all, Job had to get a perspective of something. He said in in chapter 1, verse 21, naked I've come from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. In other words, I didn't bring anything, and I'm not taking anything with me. So at the end of the day, how am I going to approach My life. At the end of that verse, I love how he ends that. He goes, Naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be, hello? Praised. Praised. Can I encourage you with this? Sometimes you need to quote that to yourself when you're having a bad day. Sometimes you need to say, May the name of the Lord be praised. Now listen, it's not that we praise God because of the storm. We praise him through it. Because there's always going to be something we go through that we don't understand. Raise your hand if you've got, let me do a poll in the room. You ready? How many of you have ever went through something you didn't understand why you went through it? Raise your hand nice and high so everyone can see it. Look around. You're not the only one to go through things, right? We've all gone through something in our lives that we didn't understand. Now does that mean we give up on God? Nor did Job. Well, how do you stay right when everything goes wrong? Let me answer some of this. Number one, align with God's power. Realize that his power is your power. His availability means your ability. You with me? When God releases his power on your life, you're going to be able to get through what you're getting through. It's not going to always look the same because sitting at his feet, Uh, sitting at Jesus' feet daily and praying over your life is a worthwhile exercise to do. How many agree with that? Sitting at his feet daily is an important part of walking with Jesus. I love how Ephesians put it, and I have it up on the screen here. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. So who are we relying on? The spirit. Where's the strength come from? God. Where's it go? Inside of me. Because it's the inside of you that God is looking at, and it's the inside of you that will drive you to get through what you're going through. Align yourself with God's power. Power. So the question here in this, do you spend regular time with God to tap into that power? Because every one of my points today will have one question. Are you with me? That one question is this. Do you spend regular time with God to tap into his source of strength for you? If you don't, that's how you stay right when everything collapses around you. You're wondering, how do I get past this? Walk in his power. Right? Align with God's power, rather. Number two, walk in his Peace. Everybody say peace. Peace. Everybody say power. Power. So you got power, now you have peace. Walk with the one who provides peace at every turn. You know, you can have a lot going on around you and still have inner peace. I'll never forget, I I was at a youth convention when I was a teenager. I just got saved, went to the youth convention, got filled with the Holy Spirit, Started speaking in tongues filled with God. I was like, I came home on fire for God. And then once I get home to the church, I'm going to call my mom to come pick me up. I was only 16 years old. Call my mom. I hear right when I call home, my aunt had passed away. Um I had a relative passed away. Trying to remember which I think it was I think actually was, I think it was my grandfather passed away um at that time. And uh I remember hearing what had taken place and I, I was shocked and I was hurt and I'm like wow I'm at the highest point you know what I mean? Like you just had this great experience and then boom. And then I remember that Wednesday night was the the wake and I went went to the funeral and they asked me to share some things. And I was just a teenager. And I remember it was like 7.01 when I got the microphone. And I remember because I looked at my watch and I stood at the pulpit, shaking. And then all of a sudden, a piece fell over me. And I stood there and I remember looking at my watch and it was 7.01. And I said, what was that? (laughs) I told myself, like, what was that? Here I find out a few days later I got a call from my youth leader and said, You know, we prayed for you Wednesday. And I said, You did? Yeah, we had we had a group at the church at seven o'clock. We prayed for you. And I'm like, was it right in the beginning of the group that you prayed for me? They're like, Yeah, it was around seven o'clock we started. And I'm like, Wow. There was a peace that came over me at that moment. That I could not explain. And it's because of God's peace. It's available. It's real. Friend, look at me. It's real. When everything around you is falling apart. When everything looks crazy. The peace of God is real. It's available. And guess what? It's not just available in figurative terms. For real, it's tangible. Palpable. Palpable magnificent, and powerful. I stood there at 701 with the peace of God, wondering what just happened. Listen, when you walk with God, you walk with peace. Isaiah 32 said, the fruit of the righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be the quietness and confidence forever. Did you know that once that peace came about me, you know what I could do? I shared the gospel that night. Because nobody else in my family wanted to even talk. Everybody was too distraught. And trust me, I was in pain too. I was in serious pain. Because I I love my family. I love anytime someone passes away, it's always painful, right? This was no different. But God was in my heart. Jesus Christ was my savior. Something was bigger. So the quietness and confidence didn't come from me. The quiet and confidence came from prayers of the saints who prayed over me that the God of peace would surround me. Friend, that God of peace is available to you. So the question that I want to ask you is, when your emotions become hurried in nature, have you cultivated the skill of quieting yourself and asking God, give me your peace? How do you stay right when everything is wrong? How do you stay focused when everything is blurry? Do you stop daily and refresh yourself and say, okay, I got a lot going on. Let me step back. Jesus, I need my connection with you to stay aligned. I talked last week about calibrating yourself with God. No matter how good the printer is, you still have to calibrate it because it has to print a certain way. You got to stay aligned with God. Third thing, seek God's perspective. Everybody say perspective. Seek God's perspective because man's perspective is shallow and self-centered. God's perspective has eternal views, Right? God sees things very differently, just like I see things very differently on this stage. I know I'm a real tall guy. When I'm on the ground, I can see a lot of things. But when I'm up here, I see even more. I see the eye rolls sometimes. Oh, I see the, the dips and the... I see the excitement. I see the smiles I see the ones when you when you show s- your teeth, and you and even though may, some may be missing, I don't know. But you you shine. Whatever it is, you, you see a lot more from this perspective. You can see a lot more from here if you see what I see. You be very careful about what you do. Some of you got real careful now. Like what did I do? This you talking about? Why? Because I'm at a different plane. I'm at a different altitude. How many know that God sees things very differently than you? Right? The perspective. I want to see things in God's perspective. I want to see things the way God sees it. And this, that's just a physical uh, thing that I'm talking about. But you know, spiritually, God sees things very differently. And so while we think God is trying to destroy us because of the trial, did you know that God didn't want Job to die? You know God didn't want to kill Job? Did you know some of us, some of us go, why would God do that to Job? Why would God put Job out there like that? How many ever thought that? How many ever said, you read Job, you're like, why would God allow that? Let me let me answer that question just by this. There are levels you will never get to unless trial pushes you there. There are levels in your faith you will never see unless you have a trial to get you there. You can't level up until you get into a place of complete reliance upon God in certain areas of your life. Oh man, God, why would he play games with Job's life like that? When I first read that, I'm going, how could God do that to him? Pobrecito Job. That poor Job. I'm reading it going, Lord, I pray for Job. Help him. His friends are stinky friends. I'd be rebuking them. Dude, you're out of here. i rebuke you. Get out of here. You, you, Yeah, get out. You're done. But when you're discouraged, you got no strength and they just kept beating on them. And he kept having to say to himself like David did when he came back to, um, to Ziklag in 1 Samuel, I believe it was 1 Samuel, when he came back to Ziklag and all of his camp, all the wives and the children were taken and, and they burned his possessions and they took some stuff and they took the families. And guess what? David had to, watch this, encourage himself in the Lord. Sometimes we need to, Encourage ourselves and say, God, your perspective is very, very important. I believe peace follows his perspective. Now here's the key question. You ready? Are you more in the habit of crying about something or crying out for him? You can cry over something or you can cry out to someone. And you got to decide If staying right or staying in the pit is more important. Job endured what he endured because his focus was God. And some of us in our lives will not ever, ever understand that unless we have a trial. So don't be quick to dismiss your trial because that trial by fire Will cause you to be set on fire. And that's a good fire. Fourth, run at God's pace. Don't hurry to, to the point where you leave Jesus behind. Hello? Some of you want to hurry and move on. Jesus, we're moving. Jesus, we're moving. Jesus says, stop. Listen. Learn. Take it in. And we're like, yeah, Jesus, that's great, but we got to keep moving. And God is like, I don't want to move yet. You got to learn something here before we get to the next level. I remember as a kid, I play video games and, and, and I really rarely play video games now. I have a few apps that I play and mess around with. But I remember as a kid playing video games that in certain levels, level three, you need a certain weapon to unlock level four. Hello? So in order to fight the bad guys on level four, you need to get a weapon that you can only find level three. And if you don't get that weapon, you can't fight the guys on level four. Okay, that's real simple, real down to the everyday life, right? You ready? There are weapons that God has given you through this trial, through this thing, that you can't get to the next chapter of your book without this weaponry here. And we've all been there. We've all felt like there are times. You see, we have often this perspective that I need to hurry through this. And God is like, I don't want to hurry through this one. Stop. Kneel and listen. I found myself not keeping up with Jesus and procrastinating the other way sometimes. Anybody ever gone that direction too? So there are people that blow by Jesus like, "Come on, Jesus, Jesus, why are you still here? We gotta go, Jesus. What's going on? We're ready to go. The bus is leaving." And Jesus is like, no, 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 stay. What scripture do you have to prove, Mary and Martha? Mary wanted to sit at Jesus' feet. Martha wanted to go. Come on, we got to clean up. We got to. There's a mess. There's a mess. Mary's like, I know there's a mess, but there's a Jesus. Amen. You're worrying about the mess. I'm worried about the Messiah. Oh, come on, that's good. Come on. You were about the mess. I'm worried about the Messiah. And if I missed that, I missed everything. Oh, my goodness. Run at God's pace. The more I fall behind, the greater the chances my heart becomes callous. When God keeps going and I stop the other way around, you with me? The first part of it is I go ahead of Jesus. Now I'm falling behind. You know what happens when you fall behind? You get callous in your heart. Why are you falling behind? Because you're so worried about the pain from the past that you have no available moment for the future. Sometimes we get so focused on the past, callous about the pain in the past, that we have no room for God's blessing in the future. God's hand is has all the sources you need. But either running ahead or falling behind, either one, doesn't do us any good. To walk with Jesus and do what he says, there's contentment in our hearts, in our lives. So the question that I ask is, is there anything you're trying to control rather than surrender? I'm going to let that sit for a second. Is there anything you're controlling rather than surrendering? I'll let that marinate. Number five, and the final thought. We already talked about four things, and they all start with the letter P. Power. Say it with me. Power. Power. Peace. Peace. Perspective. Perspective. Pace. Pace. And the last one is simply this. Align with God's people. People's important because there are people that have went through trials that you're about to go through. Somebody in this room has went through something that you're about to go through. How will we know unless we get around people? And God is so good and so coordinated that he's going to get the right person to you if you call upon him. And that person's going to cross your path and you're going to say, wow, I had no idea that this person went through that. They seem like they had it all together. I can't imagine they went through This, oh, you don't even know the half of it because God is in the business of taking your mess and turning it into a message. See, I must remember the power of the local church. I must remember the power that we have as a body when we gather together, amen? There's something about us when we gather together. God did not create me to be an island to myself. He has created me to do life with others and serve alongside them. No man is an, so here's my question. Are you faithful to not only attend the local church, but faithful to the deeper connection with others? Deeper connection. Joining a small group, joining a life group, joining a prayer time. We have prayer at 9 o'clock on Sundays, every Sunday in that war room. You know what my my goal is for 2024? We won't fit in there anymore because there's too many people to come pray that we got to move into one of the larger rooms because there's too many people praying. Nine o'clock, Sunday mornings. I challenge you to be a part of that. Also, tomorrow night. Nisa, raise your hand. That's Nisa. She's running point on this prayer time. Tomorrow night at 6.30 in this room, I challenge every single last one of you to be here. There's not going to be like all this formal, foot. it's not going to be stream, none of that. We're going to be in the house of God praying, believing God for great things. 21 days, all oh, 21 days are over, 22, I do what I want now. Now I do what I want, Woo! God's not trying to deliver you from prayer, he's trying to deliver you through prayer. He's not trying to deliver you from prayer. He's trying to deliver you through prayer. Practice makes perfect. Now, I really believe more so that practice makes permanent. If you decide that you want to pray, do it. Just do it. Don't wait for your body to tell you, I feel like it. Just do it. Each year we have these goals, and there's six different areas that I want to throw up on the screen right here. Six Things every year that people want to try to focus on. Here's the challenge. Every one of those can be done if we rely on him. My faith, growing closer to God through faithful devotional life. That's reading the scriptures daily, following that. My fitness, getting into shape physically. i tell you what, this is something I've been battling over the last year and a half. Trying to get right, trying to eat right, trying to do right. Trying to find out where I fit in all that. Anybody ever struggle with that a little bit? My finances, getting into a financial shape, getting my finances right, not owing man as much as possible, cutting out my debt so that I can do what God wants me to do with the money he gave me. How many hate being in debt? Raise your hand if you hate being in debt. If you didn't raise your hand, I really wonder about you. I really wonder. Man, I love owing people money. It's so much fun. I love paying bills for things. I love that 21% interest rate. Woo! Love it. Said no one ever, right? Financial. Fourth, my family. I have family goals this year. Have you set family goals? If you haven't, it, try it. My future discovering my purpose, and then my freedom. What does that mean? Stuff that I'm going through on a daily basis, weekly basis, stuff that I struggle with. How many know that God cares about all those? He cares about my faith, my fitness, my finances, my family, my future, my freedom. He cares about all those. But how can he care about something that we don't even pay attention to? How can he give us the tools we need to get over these things in our life if we don't even pay attention to them? So here's my thought. Which of these categories of my life do I need to learn to commit to him? Hmm. In some way, all of them a little bit, right? The Bible speaks about all of them, and it's a worthwhile investment. So if you're making a conscious decision to focus on any one of these, ask God. Ask God to give you his power, his peace, his perspective. Walk in his pace and gather with God's people so you can do it. How do I live in alignment? How do I stay right when everything goes wrong? You know what Job did? My Redeemer lives. My is that personal walk with God. Redeemer is understanding who saved him. Lives means I'm not dead, I'm alive, and so is he. My Redeemer lives. He's a personal Savior, personal God. And when all is said and done, though they all he lost all his stuff then he even lost his health for a while then at the end everything came back more so than he ever imagined why because he stayed right when everything went wrong Does anybody else want to look and stare at your child straight in the eye says i'm gonna stay right when everything is wrong come on lift up your hands and say blessed be the lord come on right because our goal is not to look right That's selfish, surface blessing. I don't want to just look right. I want to be right with God. Because some of us are really good at putting on that mask. Bless you, brother. How are you? Oh, blessed and highly favored I am. (laughs) Blessed and highly favored you swore at three cars just five minutes ago before you turned on 405. Okay, so maybe, okay, some of you feeling conviction, that, that's between you and Jesus. What I'm saying is this. We always have to stop and realize, I'm not perfect, but I serve the one that is. Right? And if you're not right with God, get right with him right now. There's no calendar in heaven. Say it with me, no calendar in heaven. Right now is the time. Get it right with God. Amen? Come on, if you're available, stand to your feet right now. Hallelujah. How many decided today, you know what? I think living in alignment may be a good thing for my life. Yes? Some of you are like, I think living in alignment is, is more work than I ever thought it was. But listen, can I tell you something? I think spirituality is harder in our head than it is in our hands. God has made all things accessible. You know, he hides no good thing from you. The things that he doesn't let you have is because if he gave it to you, you might run the other direction. You with me? Sometimes, The only reason he withholds is because he knows if you knew too much, you go the other way. Okay, okay. I don't always want the answer that I need. Most of the time I want the answer that I want. And God knows the difference. Jesus Christ... Look at me, eyeball to eyeball. I need you to see me for a moment. Hear me and hear my heart. Jesus Christ wants to give you what you want. But he first has to give you what you need. Because if he only gave you what you wanted, you wouldn't be right with him. Wow, that's deep. Because that's something God is working with me on. If he gave me what I wanted first, I would run the other direction and never hear what I needed. But if he gives me what I need, now I'm in a different perspective, a different place, in a different space where God can then bless me for what I want. Because I realize what I wanted, what I need are two very different things. Some of you should thank God for this. You ready? Some of you should thank God that some of your prayers were not answered the way you wanted it. It's truth, right? Some of you prayed that that person would fall in love with you. And they didn't. And then later you found out why. Some of you wanted that job. Didn't get it. God, why? Because if you had that job, you wouldn't be here. There are more things to life than money. There are more things to life than resources. But if you're smack dab in your wheelhouse, God will bless you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. And thank you that we can come to you with open hands, not expecting you to put a snake in my hand when I'm asking for a fish. Thank you that you care about me so much that you allow me to go through a trial that's going to make me better as a believer, as a father, as a husband, and as a, a, a follower of you. Help me, oh God, to sing your praise in the storm and through the storm. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.